Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. Along with Spencer Aguiar and Nick Bretwish, I'm Roberto Arguello, and we're excited to get into our 2024 Farmers Insurance Open betting preview. This week, the PGA Tour heads to La Jolla, California, where they will play the North and South Courses at Torrey Pines. Three rounds on the South Course, which is where the 2021 U.S. Open was hosted, and then one round in the first two days on the North Course before a 36-hole cut. Gentlemen, it's the second week in California on the PGA Tour. Spencer, I know you hit with your best bet last week with Chris Kirk over Shane Lowry. What is your best bet this week? I'm going to go back to the head-to-head market. I do think that there are some placement wagers that are that we will get to later in the show that I found a bunch of value on this week. I'm going to go with a little bit of the safer route here. I'm going to say Ryan Fox minus 110 over Billy Horschel. All right, Ryan Fox over Billy Horschel. Nick, what's your best bet this week? Staying in the matchup market, which for me is new, so take that with a little bit of caution but adam svensson over emiliano grio minus 120 all right going with svensson and my best bet i'm going to take a shot on steven yeager 54th or better this week at the farmers insurance open but first spencer jump into why you like ryan fox in your matchup bet i thought players like moronk fox the rest of those dp world tour players seem to be undervalued in the market probably because their lack of success that they've shown on the pga tour I'm not saying that every matchup is going to present value with those names that they're involved in. It's far from that answer that I'm giving, but I did have an edge when directly attacking Billy Horschel inside of a head-to-head bet. I didn't have a golfer in my sheet who had a bigger mispricing than Horschel when I dove into names with an entire return of stats. I think his two made cuts in the last three years for him at this tournament boosted up this price that we got a little bit. And it looks fine on the surface, but when you really dive into what he did during those made cuts, I'm not so sure that I necessarily trust the profile. It came from a golfer who lost off the tee and with his approach during all three of those starts, I'm kind of under the belief that the heavy rain in the area is going to hurt his lack of distance and the poor proximity data that he brings to the mix, which if that's going to generate this fade appeal in one area and then this quality profile in Fox... That is kind of what my model is looking for. And just as an interesting uh, nugget to throw out there, and we'll move into Nick's pick from this, the second head-to-head for me that I was considering that I did not eventually, I did not get to was Nick's pick. So I'll let Nick talk about that a little bit, but Mm. I also like where Nick's at there. Hey, all right. The matchup God signs off on my pick. I love that. All right. (laughs) Um, the only concern I had is kind of picking on good form against good form. That's usually something I don't like to do in, in stars against stars in the matchup space. I don't think this is the stars against stars, but it is good form against good form. Svensson is striking the ball insanely well right now. And really what it came down to is just the pricing that I had in, in my numbers. I had Svensson like proper right around minus 130, minus 135 here. And really, like for me, I'm, I'm not really a Grio guy. 
His long iron play is significantly worse than Svensson's, which is pretty much a strength of Svensson's game. So I think these longer tracks here help him out a little bit more, even though neither of them are bombers off the tee. Both very accurate, but just looking at what Grio's done the last couple go rounds at these longer courses, like obviously the century, he did not play very well there. Torrey Pines has kind of given problems in the past. The Memorial, um, also, a, you know, I guess a similar course in terms of length and accuracy needed off the tee. And then the Arnold Palmer Invitational, all those Grio has kind of struggled where Svensson has done just fine. I think Svensson's a safe cut maker here and Grio has that miscut equity that we're looking for in these matchups. Hopefully it's just a two day bet. And uh, yeah, just the, the 10 to 15 points of value that I found there in the matchup market. I will take that every single time. So Griot coming off a T7 in his last start at the Sony Open in Hawaii, where you're using your short irons and wedges all the time. Maybe his stock is a little bit too high, and Nick's going to take advantage of that here at the longest course on the PGA Tour. He also brought up the Memorial where um, at Jack's Place, which is the only other course along with Torrey Pines, South Course which is over 7,500 yards and has greens at 5,000 square feet on average or smaller. So definitely some similarity there between those two courses. So jumping into my best bet, I gave this one out a couple weeks ago at the Sony Open in Hawaii, where I bet 1.2 units on Steven Yeager minus 120 to finish in the top 55-ish. And he did that easily. So we got a unit out of that. This week, I'm just going to bet a half unit on it. So to win a little bit less than that at minus 120 again, not as confident in this one just because he's got some rougher course history and there is a course rotation. So there's a little bit more uncertainty built in this week. But Steven Yeager on the PGA Tour has made 19 consecutive cuts. That's fourth among everybody on the PGA Tour. He doesn't really have a weakness in his game. If there is one, you might say it's around the green play. And that is going to be a point of emphasis this week. But overall, I think his game is well-rounded enough. I think the field isn't as deep as some other ones, like last week perhaps. And I think that he will make the cut again this week. And if he's going to make the cut, I think there's going to be a really good chance that he finishes in the top 54. So give me Steven Yeager minus 120 for another made cut because we got to mention his name in the podcast every single week. But now that we've gone through all of our best bets, Spencer, why don't you start us off with your course preview for the North and South courses at Torrey Pines. We talked a lot last week about how the American Express was going to be this three-course rotation that was going to produce an onslaught of birdie attempts just because of the pure putting nature of the complex. I personally never thought there was some massive deviation between those properties. They all generated birdies for who played quality golf. Like, of course, maybe you could point toward the potential pitfalls at the PGA West Stadium course just because of the water and the extensive bunkering that was there. But with all that being said for this week, when we move into this into these two tracks, I don't believe that all rotational venues are going to be the same. And, and this is kind of what we get here. And this split between the North and the South tracks at Torrey Pines do present quite an interesting outlook to consider. So players are going to rotate between those two courses on Wednesday and Thursday. All the golfers who make the cut go back to the much lengthier South for the final two rounds. We're talking about a nearly 7,700-yard course that's going to play even longer than that distance because of the downpour of rain that the San Diego area has received to begin the week. I will say that it might help to also ease the POA greens that have been known to be greeny and fast, so there's kind of a, a positive and a negative to this rain. Uh, although, at the end of the day, when I look at these courses, the one thing that I continue to find is... Unlike last week where all the courses produce birdie looks and you were going to kind of get the same feel in all the venues, even though you only have 25% of your rounds at the north, I think the most impactful holes occur there in helping to decide the winner. So the reason for that comes from a, a couple different things. Most iterations of the contest have been won between 13 and 15 under. When you dive into the fact that the last five winners of this tournament have shot between four to nine under during their one-off chance when they do get to take on the more straightforward, over 400 yards shorter north property, it begins to highlight in my model the need to get off to a very quick start where scoring's possible. Seven holes at the north produce over a 20% birdie or better percentage. That includes four par five setups that are going to generate significant eagle rates. You get this much better tree-lined setup that's going to protect against wind, a slower bent grass surface versus its south counterpart that's going to be played on the POA that I talked about a second ago. You also get a lot more short to mid irons in hand over the redundant ask from outside of 200 plus that you're going to get from the south. So um, I think that's a very unique approach that I took inside of my model for how I approached it with my wagers. 
when I get to my outright card in a little bit, I only back top 30 golfers in my model when it came to projected scoring on the North for that reason. I did it mostly with long shot wagers further down the board. We can talk about why that is um, in a couple minutes. I do have one name that I want to get your guys' opinion on when we do start talking outright bets in a sec in a second, but I thought it's a really interesting tournament to talk about just because we don't have this, you know, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy's here. You do have a lot of the the projected win equity at the top of golfers that are sub 10 to 1 that I think are too short. I'm sure Nick can give you the answer of why Cantlay is too short now and he has his own reason behind it, but um that's just kind of my mentality. It doesn't mean that those players can't win, but the prices are just shorter than I would ideally like. I agree. Those prices are pretty short at the board, so let's jump into those in just a moment. But you mentioned that the par 5 scoring on the North Course is going to be key. The longest par 5 on the North Course is shorter than the shortest par 5 on the South Course. So you're going to need to take advantage of those four chances whenever a given player plays on the North Course. Oftentimes we'll see somebody go 7-8 under par on that course and then fail to make the cut or fail to play under par on the South Course because it's just such a different challenge. But you mentioned those bank grass greens also going to come into play on the North Course. Nick, anything you'd like to add to our course preview before we jump into the outright market? No, I think Spencer nailed it. I'm lock and step with him here. So I'm, I bet you our outright card is going to be quite similar, especially if he was looking at the same matchup as I was too. So let's do it. I mean, All right, let's see. Nick, I don't have anybody less than like 400 to one. I'm not sure anybody has any of the outright <laughs> okay. side now. All right. All right. I have a different card, but I it's it's rather long, but not 400 to one mm. stuff. All right. So I'm, now I'm really excited to hear what you got. Spencer, start us off. Okay, so before I get to my outrights, I want to talk about one player. This is the closest that I've come to making a bet at the top of the board. And I'm going to see if either one of you either have a wager on this. Maybe you can convince me my models really liked him. Do either of you have any thoughts on Ludwig Ober at 22 to 1? I was close. What what pushed me away is just the debutant at this course, but it, like... Yeah, it fits him to a T. I mean, he is an elite ball striker long off the tee. He's going to hit fairways. Long irons are fine. Everything about it. Like I, I was hoping for 25 to one. That's the same answer that I gave yesterday inside of an article. And, and that's the unfortunate thing. The The first time nature of this, I think he's going to win this tournament at some point in his career. It's difficult to win a, a course that does have a lot of rollover success over the years. But with that being said, really the only concern comes down to the fast Poa nature. If it's a little bit softer out there because of the rain, that distance is going to really play for him. So I, I am extremely close. I keep updating all the markets to see if he can get to 25 to 1 somewhere because that's going to be the last ticket that I punch. But I even think 22 to 1 has value. I, I literally have met 25.4 to 1. So yeah, plus 2,500 I would... I would go at because my my numbers don't increase or uh, don't include a whole percentage, so there'd be value there in the in the market if we could find twenty five to one. I have a ticket on Ludwig Obert. I all right. Really like the distance. I like that the approach play has been established as a strength of his, gaining strokes on approach in his last eight consecutive tournaments. That goes back to the it goes back to late August and. Around the green play, I think, isn't a weakness. I don't know that it's a strength quite yet, but it isn't a glaring weakness for him. And we actually haven't seen him play on Poa Greens, I believe, uh, or at least anywhere with data. So that is a bit of an unknown for me. But hopefully with the rain softening him up, that helps out. That helps him out um, on the greens a little bit. And we know that he can get hot with the putter. And given how he kind of ran away with the tournament at the RSM Classic, gained almost four and a half strokes per round. I think he is, I think the winner of this tournament is going to be someone near the top of the board. And I want to take a chance with him, given that there might be someone uncertainty because he hasn't played before. And I think I'm getting a bit of a quote unquote discount because like you guys said, I agree that this is a course he's absolutely tailor-made to win at some point in his career. And I don't want to miss, I don't want the train to leave the station before I have a ticket. Well, I'll, I will update this. I just looked at the market. Somebody out there just moved it to 25 to 1. So I will make wow. that my official addition, and I'll, I'll get into my outright card right now. So we will say Ludwig Obert, 25 to 1, shop around to find that price. I, Other than that, I only have one name that's sub 85 to 1 for me. I did start with Sahit Thagala at 35 to 1. 
you could have found better in the in the market if you got this early on Monday. My model pushed him into the top five for projected scoring at the North Course when taking that ceiling outcome from each golfer. I think his erratic nature off the tee isn't quite the detriment that we see at other PGA Tour venues. And then the 26-spot increase in projected weighted tee to green production only furthered this narrative for me of why he has posted results of 4th and 25th here during his two attempts. I kind of talked about this during the fall season. He got a weighted boost inside of my model for weighted proximity at the Fortinet that gave him an 87-spot improvement. While we don't have quite as large of an amount here, the 56-spot disparity could be good enough for him to add a second title for him in the last handful of months. Um, I think it was a good price for him with a skill set that fits these courses. This is kind of where things get off the rail for me a little bit here. I took Robert McIntyre at 350 to 1. I fell for this last week. I'm going to do it again at a course that does feel better suited for his skill set. McIntyre's top 30 grades for weighted proximity when taking on both courses and a scrambling game that more or less for me kind of mirrored what I had statistically from Minwoo Lee presented a long shot, long shot option with a high ceiling. I thought it was interesting. Like the market loves and betters love Minwoo Lee this week. I, I I was probably more inclined to bet that if it was in the 30s. I think the softer conditions might hurt him a little bit. Still like him, top 10 player in my model, but I'm kind of trying to find that profile here at 350 to 1. He doesn't have quite as much distance, but a great par 5 score. I took Taylor Pendrith at 125 to 1. Pendrith burned the entire industry as one of the trendy wagers at the American Express. My model had him 51st for that contest to go along with a negative trajectory for upside. I was kind of surprised to see him miss the weekend since he had delivered four top 15 finishes during his five starts before last week. But I think this is a natural buyback spot for a golfer with distance and quality long iron proximity. I took Jonathan Vegas at 400 to one. Vegas missed the cut on the number last week. He was been solid at Torrey Pines over the years. Even if you look at his first start of the year, he only missed it by two. Six top 39 finishes in his previous nine attempts at this tournament. That presented an intriguing return for a golfer who can hit greens in regulation as consistently as anyone in the field. And then for my last wager, it, it really came down to one of three names of how I wanted to build this. And now that I added Aubert to the top, I think the Hoygaard route is going to get pushed to the side and I'm not going to go that route. My numbers really liked Hoygaard this week. Um, but it was Hoygaard, Bo Hostler, Akshay Batia. Those were the three names that I was trying to figure out how to round out a card. I went with Akshay at 90 to 1. He experienced massive shifts in a positive direction for me when faced with a fast POA surface over his baseline putting. He did the same exact thing on similar green complexes that he's going to see at the North Track on Thursday. The ball striking is always elite for him. So if the putter can be better than anticipated, I think that raises the ceiling here for a 90 to 1 golfer to where. I'm kind of just trying to take shots down this board. I, I know that's a very trendy route that people are taking this week because of, you know, there's been a 500 to one winner. You had an amateur one, you had a 200 to one winner. I think that's usually more so bets get pushed like in the wrong direction here. But for whatever the reason is, my model did seem to find value because it had no value at the top of the board. So kind of these names further down the board that have, you know, a quarter of a or a half of a percent of win equity for me that we're at 400 to one was kind of the direction I was trying to go. I think they're very small edges, but that's the upside that I'm looking for on a cheap route there. I like it. Nick, I'm going to jump in here because I've got so much overlap with Please. Spencer on the card. Yeah. I've got Obear. I bet the gala at the century. We don't need to talk about what happened there. I've got him again here. I think that this is a course where, which is unlike many on the PJ tour in that, if you get to 15 under, you've got a really good chance of winning. Unlike last week where there was a pro-am for the first three rounds and the pins were by necessity in an easy, very accessible spot on each green, which I think is kind of an abomination for a PGA Tour event. Um, really only got one round of PGA Tour golf last week, and that was on Sunday when they had pins in actual challenging, actually challenging locations, which is super key on a Pete Dye golf course. But anyways, this week, I want somebody who can go low when scoring conditions are tough, I think the Gala is someone who can do that. He's not necessarily a safe player, but on a course like Torrey Pines, which is super long, we've established that it's the longest course on the PGA Tour. It's not super tree-lined, so his driving accuracy and his lack of driving accuracy and his strong short game, or his lack of driving accuracy won't be penalized 
he is long enough that he can kind of bomb and gouge this. And if he does get into trouble, he's got a world-class short game. And his putter can also ignite at any moment. So I like that he has multiple different paths to contending this week, whether his driving accuracy is really good like it was at the Century. But at the Century, it's almost impossible to miss fairways. He, he said he was striping it really well off the tee. Um, so hopefully that continues this week. We know he missed the cut at the Sony Open, but very different track. Uh, and I think that is why we're getting a better number on him than someone like Minwoo Lee, who I was intrigued by. But with Minwoo Lee 27 to 1 and Tigala at 35 to 1, I think Tigala's a better golfer right now. And I think he's a better fit for this course. So I got him at 35 to 1. We mentioned Aubert at 20 to 1, which I got him. So maybe I'll have to take a peek and find 25 to 1, get a little bit more on him. I also have an outright on Batia. I think that he has become a much better putter than he was throughout last season. And I don't think that's necessarily priced in. And I love his upside as well. He's somebody who could show, who could throw a 63 up on the North course and just hang around the rest of the week. I also have, we mentioned last week, they only played one round at a big time PGA tour course on Sunday with the legit pins. He went super low and was on 59 watch. He's playing great golf right now at 120 to one. I think he's got a lot more talent than a lot of the other guys in that price range. And then I'm going back to my bread and butter with Taylor Moore, 120 to 1. His long iron numbers have always been solid. That's why we bet him outright at the Valspar. And his putter can also get really hot. He hasn't necessarily had as much success on Poa Greens, but with this being his third time around the track, I think he'll have some success this week. And he's just somebody who could light up the North Course and stay steady. Doesn't really have a huge weakness in his game. So at 120 to 1, I'm going to take a nibble on Taylor Moore as well. A little bit more aggressive outright card than I've had in the first couple weeks of the season, but I do think that you're going to need to be a big-time player and ball striker to win this week. So without further ado, Nick, who you got on your outright card this week? I'm also in on Batia. I got it at 100-1, to 1, and that is out there in the market, depending on what state you're in. I fell for Sanjay, 22-1. to 1. Um well, my numbers, I have him at 20 flat. So at the top of the board, he and O'Bear were also my biggest edges. So I will go find the 25 to 1 and follow on O'Bear. I took Daniel Berger at 80 to 1. It looks like that is now down to 65 and 70 to 1. I still think that's kind of a, a trap, but I'm just going to buy in that he's ready to go. I mean, the guy, is, I think he's from Jupiter, Florida, right? So he plays like with all the top talent in the world all off season. I think that he was ready to go. I think it's a great track for him to kind of make his debut at or his comeback at last week. Everything for me, numbers wise, distance, accuracy, it was like Daniel Berger of old. So I'll go back to him. Great course history here. I did take a shot on Davis Thompson, 150 to one and Austin Eckroat, 175 to one. I think Eckroat is probably burning money trying to take him to win this tournament. He's probably more of a, a cut making type of guy. And if it's going to be rainy throughout the week, and make this course a little softer. I think the distance will hurt him a little bit. He's got a soft spot in my heart after what he did this weekend on the DFS side of things. Um, and then one guy, I got room for one more, like 70 to 80 to one range guy. I will push it over to you, Spencer. Thoughts on buying, I guess, medium to low on Hideki coming back to form? My one concern, Nick, with Hideki just comes down to the upside that he possesses. I, I think it's one of those situations where he has not been in contention for the longest time. And it's a really big ask for him on a difficult golf course to go out and actually win this event. I, I kind of thought that it was a fair price where he's at. If I was going to bet him, I'd probably look more so in the top 10 market. I, I considered going that route. Didn't eventually ever get to that answer uh, for one reason or another with it. But great course history here, a golfer that has found success at some of these venues where you know, if you look at at the Masters in Augusta, for example, when he won that event, I know those are quick bent grass greens and we have the quick POA here, but anytime that you get that three putt avoidance that can come into play, he's one of those golfers to where if he doesn't need to make as many putts and he can use some of that three putt avoidance to his benefit, the ball striking is what carries him. So um, I just worry about his actual win equity at this point. I'll echo all that. I... I, for some reason, think that Hideki Matsuyama is a lot older than he is. He's only 31 years old, but it seems like he's been around forever. He does look turn old, dude. Months. His back's always hurting him also, like an old guy. So I'm <laughs> with you there. That's fair. That's true. But I, I think a healthy Hideki, and which I believe we think he's healthy right now, 
as somebody at 70 to 1, I don't think it's a bad bet, given that he has one of the, like, Sahith Tigala elite short games. He's not as long as I'd like him to be, so the rain doesn't help him, and the putter is a big if, as usual. But they do get one round on bent grass green, so that if he takes advantage there early in the week, maybe we find a live chance to bet him this week. I think that's how I might do it. But at 75 to 1, I'm only seeing him at 50 to 1, so this isn't something I consider it as heavily. Uh, and given the makeup of my card, this week being a little bit more aggressive, but I don't hate that bet at all. I think you do a lot worse. So uh, I won't push back on that one for Hideki. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Um, anybody else that you guys think has a chance to win this week that you haven't bet on or you're considering? That's really, and maybe Bo Hostler if you want to go down that route with it, but I, I had reasons that I pushed myself against Hostler at the end of the day. I think that all makes sense. I was considering Taylor Montgomery just because I think there might be a real transformation going on with his approach play. Only got two tracked rounds from him last week, but he did gain strokes on approach, which for him is an accomplishment. But I think I'm going to lay low with him for a week or two on on this kind of golf course. I think that long iron approach play is something that really needs to be established. I'm not quite there yet with him. Maybe I'll sprinkle a top 20 or something like that. Um, also want to bet some rookies, but I don't think this is the course to do it unless they have a ton of firepower and have the short game. And some of the guys I was looking at don't have um, that combination quite yet, at least established. We don't have much data to go off of them. But Fellas, let's jump into the rest of the card. Spencer, I'll get it started with you. Any other plays besides your matchup and the outrights? It's kind of a similar mentality of there's a lot of deep long shots on my card in the outright market. There's a lot of deep long shot wagers that I had inside the placement market for me. So I have a handful of bets this week. The first one I'll at least mention on the show, I'm as of an hour ago, the bet was still active and live. I don't know if it's going to be by the time that this has aired or even by the time that we're recording, I haven't checked in about an hour or so, but there was a Will Zalatoris number out there for a top 40 at plus 200. The rest of the market had that in like the minus 135 to minus 150 range. Uh, I, we talked about that in the Rotoball or Discord chat to where, I mean, that's been hammered away. And you obviously run the risk when you do things like that, that you can get limited at some of these books. And I, I don't know if I necessarily trust Zalatoris's floor quite enough in this spot to take that risk. But I'm always a believer that when you look at matchups and you look at things of this nature, I'm always going to take the edges that I have at the end of the day. And whatever a book decides to do is what a book is going to do at, at the end of it. So I, I think there's an edge there if you can shop around and still find that number. I don't think it's as large as the public perception is with it because I do think that there's the volatility that's coming into play. But it's at least something that I wanted to mention on this show just in case it's still sitting around. Uh, I took Robert McIntyre for a top 10 at plus 2,000. Once again, boomer bust profile. I'm going to use last week's miscut to our advantage and shoot for the moon when it comes to his upside. His par five scoring, long iron play, and the scrambling acumen that I talked about for why I bet him as an outright is going to play well this week, I believe. And all of that provided a profile for a golfer that landed inside the top 20 for projected scoring at the North Course. Uh, maybe that last part would have made him a better top 20 bet at 9-1 to because we are really pushing the envelope here at 20-1. to But there wasn't a golfer for me this week who had as high of a ceiling and as low of a floor. To me, that typically means to play it more aggressively and lower your exposure. That was 0.10 units to win two for the sake of transparency here. I took Taylor Pendrith for a top 20 at plus 450. Four top 15 finishes for Pendrith in his last six starts. The weighted proximity increased over his baseline projection. And then the weighted strokes gained T to green return did the same. 
providing the fifth most significant shift inside of my model. Uh, the other four, Zal Torres, who I just mentioned, Robert McIntyre, who I have all the bets on, Sam Ryder, Nick's boy, Davis Thompson. I think that that's why he's an intriguing bet this week Ayo. in different uh, iterations of this market. I couldn't figure out where I wanted to land on him, but I, I think he's a savvy, sharp play this week. I took Joseph Bramlett top 20 at plus 750. That's going to pay ties in full. I don't love the form that he's bringing to the event this week, but Bramlett has two top 20 finishes at this tournament during the past three years. A lot of that stems from the driving distance and long iron proximity that he does possess. It's easy to understand why he's made all four cuts at the event since 2022. And long courses have always given him the best upside that he possesses. And then to round this out, I'm going to bet Jonathan Vegas top 20 at plus 900. Uh, if you add all those wagers together outside of the Zalatoris bet that I talked about, it's 0.55 units. Like, I don't expect all these bets to hit. I'd be very happy if one of them hit. But this, to me, is the way to get cheap exposure to this tournament. Try to take some long shot options inside this top 10 and 20 market. Vegas is just starting to show the signs that I talked about of recovery from the poor 2023 that plagued him by injury. Um, at his best, he was a golfer who generated six top 40 finishes at Torrey Pines in nine attempts from 2015 to 2023. So I'm going to bet on that long-term profile and then hope the ball striking shows up again for a venue that he has historically loved over the years. So uh, it might be a nice buy low spot for Jonathan Vegas. I like those picks, Spencer. I like getting aggressive with the top 20 plays on guys who many aren't thinking about in the outright market. And I like those numbers you got too. I think I'm going to tell you on the Joseph Bramlett one. I've also got a Kevin Yu four to one uh, for top 20 where ties are paid in full. So I like his upside as well. Um, I don't want to, I, I told you that I thought somebody at 30 ish to one or shorter is going to win this week. So I like that. I can get Kevin you in contention and maybe get a double dip. Um, Nick, any other plays you got on your card this week? Yeah, uh, real quick. I love the Pendrith play. That was something I was twiddling my thumbs on, especially after missing the cut last week. I think that we get a lot more value on the price there. But um, one of these shots that I took, again, I don't really trust my placement market bets this time of the year. I think I want more data, especially on guys like this. But Max Greiserman, top, or Graiserman, top 40 at plus 320 he is a bomber off the tee he's actually pretty accurate too so i love the small amount of ball striking that i was able to see on pj tour live last week with him it's a guy that i've been keeping my eye on uh, in addition to mac meisner and obviously nick dunlop last week who put on an absolute show so i'm gonna go back to one of the rookies max racerman top 40 at plus 320 i'm also gonna tail the pendrith uh top 20 as well i really like that one um mac meisner also someone i'm watching out for not necessarily going to bet him this week, but I'm very intrigued. I know he that had one, he one went big low day. yesterday. He was on 54-hole <laughs> watch, I think he tweeted. Yep, he or was. 54 watch. I think he birdied five straight and then kind of disappeared after that. He missed a cut, didn't he? Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's 13 the Amex being the cut week is yeah, that's absurd. Ridiculous. Uh, but no, good player. I, I think it's a good course for him here, too, especially with how he's a ball striker and he could bomb it. I think uh, that's a guy to keep an eye out for. Wanted to help in and give a reminder that the Links and Locks podcast is presented by Bet365. Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. They believe that every sport should be epic. Every touchdown, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today with code ACTION. That's A-C-T-I-O-N. And you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 21 or older only. Must be present in Colorado, Kentucky, Iowa, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. All right, gentlemen, any other plays on the card, or are we good to hop into a quick rapid-fire segment? I'm going to throw two out every single time I've done this. The first round leader has almost won and not gotten across the finish line. And I'm going to give two first round leader plays here. Um, All right. You can find this on Bet365. I think it's an interesting market this week for anybody who's offering uh, for both courses into one. So you get both uh, every single player in the field in this market and it's whoever's going to be the low scorer. I'm going to attack the North course for all the reasons that we've talked about. That's historically where the players can produce the most boom potential of anywhere this week. And, and I wouldn't be shocked with some of the soft conditions that we have on Wednesday. 
if somebody's not able to shoot a 63, you know, in that range to to really propel themselves up the leaderboard. I took Bo Hostler at 50 to one. That's kind of where I decided to get my exposure to him. And then I took Ryan Fox at 60 to one. I like it. The first round leader is absolutely going to come from the North course, barring some kind of unforeseen heater. And both those guys can get hot in bunches. And Hostler, a guy who grew up in the LA area. So he also is going to be very familiar with the POA surfaces. And I think with it being a little bit shorter course, he's somebody who could take advantage. So I think it's a sharp play. Nick, any other thoughts? No, sir. Let's do it. All right. Let's jump into rapid fire. Um, we haven't touched too much on the players at the top of the board. So looking in the enhanced win market at that 365, Xander Shoffley's nine and a half to one. Patrick Cantley's 11 to one. Defending champion Max Homa is 12 to one. And Colin Morikawa is 12 to one. Gentlemen, if I give you a free bet on any of those four players, starting with you, Nick, which one would you take? Xander. I will give the same answer. That's a layup. Why? That's a layup. It's I, always Xander for me. That's that's my reasoning. Yeah, I, I mean that was <laughs> that was like the most certain thing that Nick was going to give the Xander answer there. I, I think for me, you know, Xander's one of those golfers. If you look at what he has done at Torrey Pines, there, there's a lot of pressure on him when he started early in his career, being a local from the area, and he didn't necessarily produce the results that you were hoping to see. And Recently, if you look at the last three iterations of what we've gotten from him, second, 34th, 13th, we're starting to see some of that upside come in the mix. The current form, I mean, he's made 30, I think it's 36 consecutive cuts, 36 or 37 mm -hmm. consecutive cuts right. on the uh, PGA Tour at this point. The, the lack of upside is always the concern because he seems to have one round where everything falls apart on him and he doesn't end up winning a, winning the title, but... I actually think he's the deserving favorite in this field. Like there's win equity concerns for me with every single player. That's probably not named Max Homa from this section. Like Morikawa has been a little bit boomer bust for me. We, I, I was, I think you had him too, Roberto, right at the Zozo. Yes, I did. Yeah. So we both had him at the Zozo. We kind of like, that was the one time I've bet Morikawa in my entire career of betting it seems like but this is a good course for him like the proximity numbers are going to look great always worry a little bit about the around the green game and if it's wetter conditions I think it hurts him a little bit can't lays that boomer bust commodity that I don't really know what to expect at this point but that number is just far too short like the form doesn't look good enough for a price tag that we're getting and I'm going to be out on him for that reason I mean I'm out on all these prices of where they're at but I think Xander possesses the actual best upside to win this contest if one of these four are going to. Yeah, I think Colin Morikawa cont contains the highest floor, but I, would I don't know how high the ceiling is, and the short game and putting are a question mark. But And if he was a little bit longer off the tee, I think it would be perfect. But I uh, have to agree with you guys that Shoffley makes a lot of sense at 9-1, to one, but not going to bet him. Looking into the next range, we have... Aubert, whom we all touched on. Nick has Sungjae, so we'll jump past him. Tony Finau, Spencer, I think you might have bet him this at this tournament last year. He's 27 to 1, along with your boy, Jason Day, and also the hot new commodity on the market, Min Woo Lee, 27 to 1. We'll throw Keegan Bradley in there at 30 to 1 as well. So if I gave you a ticket on one of those four guys for free, which one would you take, Spencer? I have to be honest, Roberto. So I started producing content at this tournament in. 2017 or 2018 and mm -hmm. i have bet finau in a written article every single year throughout that entire run this is the first <laughs> year i do not have a tony finau ticket so if he wins this contest the one year i don't have exposure to him i, I always like in the first article i wrote my whole thing was finau at some point in his career will win the farmer's insurance open he will win at tory pines and we haven't gotten that yet the course history has been magnificent magnificent like even if you just look at, we'll look at the last five years with it. It's four top 13 finishes. That 2022 missed cut, the noteworthy thing there is, it seemed like everybody missed the cut. Um, like every single player that has good course history missed it that year. So I, I kind of threw that out when modeling, but I'm a little bit afraid that this is the week that Finau finally puts the putter together. He showed a little bit of that on the weekend to where he stormed up the leaderboard from barely making the cut and ends up finishing uh, in the top 25 of the American Express, but uh, it's going to be Finau for me. Echo. Mm. No oh, Jason I, Day. Wow. Day I, would be I, my second choice for whatever like that's Jason, worth. I like Jason Day here too, but I think Tony Finau, it's, it's coming around. Every part of his game is trending in the right direction here. 
And I think the top of the board, I think he deserves to be right there at the top of the board. I just can't get around on the putter with him. But I really like Jason Day. I know that where a lot of whereas a lot of people don't like putting on Poet, Jason Day can do it exceptionally well. He's one of the people who I think has upside whom I wanted in that 35 to 1 range and just missed. Um, I also really like Keegan Bradley. I think that he is a cheaper Colin Morikawa in that I think his approach play is really solid. It's going to give him a really high floor this week. I bet him and he finished second the last time I bet him. So I don't necessarily want to catch the falling knife here when I bet him at 55 to 1 in a, a worse field. And now he's 27 to 1 with all this elite talent up the board. I just don't love that. Um, if you want to do a one and done play, I think he's somebody who, whom you could consider. Um, I'm kind of between him, Obear, and a couple other guys right now for this week. But um, I like those two. And Mimu Lee, I think, is interesting. Uh, we don't have as much data on him with him only playing, I think, 13, 14 PGA Tour events last, last year. But he has everything in the bag. And I think this could be a course where he separates, shoots three, four under par a day. And is right there in contention. So he's those. these are all guys whom I'd consider betting live if the opportunity arises with them playing steady golf on the first day of the South course or making a move on Thursday, or sorry, Wednesday, because the tournament starts on Wednesday at the uh, North course as well. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jumping into the next tier of guys, we've got Eric Cole at 37 to 1. He has just been the model of consistency on the PGA Tour recently outside of Scotty Scheffler. Sepp Straka's 45 to 1, along with Harris English. If I gave you guys a ticket on one of those three guys, English, Straka, or Cole, Nick, which one would you take? Oh, man. My numbers really like Straka. I think that's probably where I'd go. I worry about the around the green. Give me Harris English. Spencer? I'll say Eric Cole. I don't like Harris either. I I mean, Eric Cole has just been so consistent for the last handful of months. It's hard to win a professional golf tournament, and sometimes it comes down to luck, just like the right thing breaking your way. And it's hard to say in a lot of these events, he's been super close to actually winning them. Like his best chance was what at the, I guess, RSM when he went head to head with Obear there and, and couldn't get the job done. And a lot of these other things have just been steady outputs. But um, I think at some point, if Cole continues this, just like the nature of the game is, if you're up there in the top 10 this many times, you have to win a golf tournament at some point. Yeah, I think the rain hurts his chances of winning, but he could also go low at the North Course and then just hang around. So I don't love the course fit for him very much this week, but I think he is unstoppable at this point. So very intrigued. I would probably go with among these three, Sepp Straka, because I think he has the highest ceiling. And I don't like that Harris English has been super reliant upon his putter in the last few weeks. Hasn't really been standing out on approach. But he did finish third here at the 2021 US Open, so it could happen. Um, we'll do one last one, jumping down into the 50-60-1 to 1 range. We touched on Matsuyama, so we touched on Hoygaard. Zal Torres is 55 to 1. Adrian Moronk, also 55 to 1. Shane Lowry, whom Spencer successfully faded last week, is 60 to 1. And Justin Rose is 65 to 1. Spencer, I'll come back to you. Among those four, Zal Torres, Moronk, Lowry, and Rose, if you got a free ticket on one of them, which one would you take? Adrian Moronk. That's, I don't think the answer anybody would expect me to give, and because I don't Hmm. run a bunch of DP World Tour stats inside of my sheet but there was a lot that it liked about him like i don't he hasn't been great when he has come to america and played golf tournaments inside of this country and that's probably like the one concern but all sharp markets really like him he's a favorite specifically against a handful of those names that you mentioned he's inside of the top 25 of every single way i ran my model and 
And, and I do think that there's something to be said about whether you're playing like DFS contests out there that he may be a trendy contrarian pick that nobody's going to really get to because they think the price is too high. So like, I, I think he's a player who's worth taking a chance on for some of these upside markets. Nick, how about you? Can I put Daniel Berger in consideration in that price range instead? I'll allow it. All right. Daniel Berger. I was going to go with Moronk. Spencer just talked about it. It's more the DFS side of me that's interested in Moronk, but I will go with Daniel Berger. Moronk is somebody who I'm very intrigued by. He got his card by being on top 10 in the DP World Tour, I believe. And last week was second to Rory McIlroy in Dubai. Problem is he's got to go from Dubai to San Diego. So that puts a little bit of uncertainty involved. That adds a little bit of uncertainty. But looking at his recent results so far since the beginning of December, T8 in Australia, T10 in Dubai, and then two solo second in Dubai last week as well. So playing some really solid golf. He's long off the tee, been really solid on approach, gained strokes on approach in each of his last eight track tournaments, made the cut in his last, in every tournament going back all the way since the Scottish Open. So he's played some really solid golf, T23 in the Open in his last competition against PGA Tour, um, a bit against PGA Tour players. So I think he could be a sneaky top 20-ish finish this week and if you want to get different dfs i think that's a great way to go about it um gentlemen any other players you wanted to touch on before we get out of here this week i mean i guess the one player that i'll just mention i don't have any exposure to him um he's very popular though i feel like it's a name that we should at least talk about like for five seconds luke list won this tournament mm-hmm. in 2022, going to be very popular in different sectors of the market. I think he's better probably as like a DFS play for for safety and cash games than anything else. Um, couldn't really figure out where I wanted to get to him, but the safety numbers in my model really liked him. I like the improved short around game. a little bit. I think he could be a sneaky play. Yeah, I like the improved short game we're seeing him year over year here. Mm-hmm. That's probably the last player. I was trying to figure out how I could get a matchup with him. I, I haven't found anything yet. Maybe that's something from an in-tournament perspective that we can get to for one of these rounds if if he pops up against a player that I have a fade potential on. But uh, I think as of this moment, I mean, list the problem is, is the market and the books know that list is getting backed. And I don't think you're necessarily finding the value where things are currently at. So I'll keep an eye to see if there's a mistake out there. But he was at least the one name for me that I was trying to figure out a way. How can I fit him onto my card? Six straight mate cuts for him at this event and uh, three state three straight top 25s as well, including that win in 2022 where he defeated Will Zalatoris when I had a ticket on Zalatoris. So going into one and done, I mentioned I'm probably going to be on Aubert looking at Keegan Bradley. Uh, Moronk also could be an intriguing pivot if I want to save Aubert for later, which I'm very strongly considering uh, just because there's not enough money this week in the pool necessarily for me to get super excited about using Obear. Who are you guys considering and want to done this week? I have not made a decision. And and I thought I had made a decision last week. And I talked about Siwoo Kim and Tony Finau and all the routes. I ended up taking Sung JM, which ironically enough, while he was the most popular pick in all contests in our specific action network contest, I was the only one that had him. I opened that up and I'm like, well, this could be the ideal spot here that I got Sung J to myself. And it just never really came quite to fruition with it. He kind of, middled throughout the first you know two days and then made a run on saturday and then went backwards on sunday i don't know where i'm going right now if you put my feet to the fire and tried to make me give a decision i would say maybe saw hit the gala i think that's also going to be very popular so just for reference spencer had sung jm i had taylor montgomery nick had one of the worst beats in yeah, one and done because he didn't ending. even need to win the tournament to get the full pot uh, with Sam Burns and Burns finished with a double double uh, in California. Good on the basketball court, good at in and out, bad on the golf course. You don't want a double double there, Nick. How are you going to bounce back this week? Uh, I think I'm going to be solo on Tony Fino. That would be Ooh. the other route. And now that you're taking Fina, I probably won't because I have to make up ground. But Fina would probably be the one B for me. I, I kind of want to save Obear, which is what's so tough. Like, I don't know if I want to mm-hmm. burn him at a tournament if it goes south, if for some reason he does struggle on the Poa Greens. Um, I think Fina is an interesting secondary option there. I'm with Roberto. I, I just think it's uh, 30 to 1 or shorter golf for that wins here. And I don't think Fina will have high ownership and one and done. So I'm going to go with him i think obear again it's the debutante thing that scares me a little bit so i'm gonna wait for him and i'm going with fino i know we can get it done here everything's trending it's time 
Jason right. Day. That's the third name I want to throw out there. there. I think go. Day has legitimate Ooh. consideration here. Okay, we know he has great course history. He's won here before. Spencer, where can we find your work the rest of this week? A little bit different with the tournament starting on Wednesday. Yeah, so you can find me over on Twitter at Tioff Sports. You can get my model over at Rotoballer to get any of the stats that I talked about here. I, as soon as we get off from here, I guess Nick and I will be recording Better Golf Podcast. Uh, from there, I will be writing my Action Network article to dive into where some of the sharp movements have occurred over the past 24 hours in the outright market. We'll see if there's any value to be found in the space there. So that will come out on Tuesday night. And then just as a standard thing, everything's going to be pushed up a day for me. I'll have all my Action Network articles uh, from an in-tournament perspective that we talk about matchups. It was a quality week there last week, uh, four and one overall in head-to-head -head bets. So going to try to keep that rolling. All right. Stay hot, Spencer. Nick, where can we find your work this week? Uh, one last round of NFL DFS over at Win Daily Sports and then at Better Golf Pod on Twitter with Spencer to break down all things DFS. And yeah, um, hopefully I don't have a Cantlay Burns Sunday meltdown. Otherwise, it would have been a very, very, very fun show to talk about uh, this week, but still a good week. Um, thanks to Nick Dunlap. So yeah, I, I did mention I owe him a beer when he turns 21. So Nick, I'm sure you're listening, buddy. Uh, <laughs> next December, I got you. We'll, uh, we'll sync up at a local tavern before a round and uh, have at it. Big shout out to Nick Dunlap, first PGA Tour winner as an amateur since 1991 when Phil Mickelson did it. So something that nobody saw coming from the outright perspective. Nope. Um, just ridiculous. And what an accomplishment. What a finish as well. Uh, hanging tough with Sam Burns those last three holes. You can find me on Twitter at Roberto8213. And you can find all of our golf content on the Action Network app website. Um, tell a friend, tell an enemy about the website, the app and the podcast, of course. And you can find all of the sports betting content that you want on the Action Network app, whether it's NFL this weekend, where our guys have been super hot. Um, the NFL guys have been super hot. Sean Kerner, among others. And then NBA is in season. Joe Dallaire has been killing it with his props. So be sure to tune in to all of the Action Network content because they have been on a heater over the last few weeks as well as the playoffs are coming to a close here in the NFL season. Just more time for us to focus on golf betting. Once again, thanks for tuning into our show. I want to give a big shout out to everybody who makes this show possible, starting off with you, the listeners. Thanks uh, for your continued support. And if there's anything we can do better for you, hit us up. Uh, I want to thank our producers, Noah Niederhofer and Matt Mitchell. And give a big thanks to everybody for tuning in this week to our Farmers Insurance Open preview. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.